Good morning. I'm Erica Allen, um, and like um, Angela said earlier, I'm a co-pastor of a new church that's starting in South Tampa, so we don't even have a building yet. We're just in the stage of gathering people. Um, we do have a worship date sort of on the calendar, and we're really excited about that. Um, I was raised by a single mom in a tiny town in the foothills of North Carolina. That's where the accent comes from that you're going to hear. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's a place called Sandy Ridge. I met Chris, my husband, when I was in college at UNC Chapel Hill. So this is a very special time of year for me, uh, March Madness, because we're pretty good at basketball. Um, so go Tar Heels. I'm, well, I'm a Gator fan when it comes to football because we are not very good at football. Um, but we have lived the last seven years in Nashville, Tennessee. We moved to South Tampa in July. Um, like Angela said, Chris and I have two children, David and Emma. And I'm pretty sure it was one of them who gave me a stomach bug last night. So that's why I was sitting down um, earlier. I didn't feel real great last night. But I've used lots of hand sanitizer. Um, so we're good. Um, David was born on December 26, 2016 in Panama City, Florida. And um, on December 28th, my husband and I met him for the first time. His adoption was finalized about a year ago in the, at the Hillsborough County Courthouse in Tampa, then Emma, our daughter, was born this past November 18th, so she's four months old today, at the same hospital that my husband Chris was born in some 30 years earlier. If you do the math, it is indeed 10 and a half months between our two children. Um, last year at Thanksgiving and Christmas, there were zero babies in our home, and this past Thanksgiving and Christmas, there were two teeny tinies <laughs> at home. So it was a lovely season for giving thanks and celebrating the hope of Christ coming into our world. Perhaps this part of our story is, the, is part of the reason that God led me to Psalm 130 this week as I prepared to preach. You see, Chris and I, you're going to hear in Psalm 130, wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord. Chris and I waited for years to become parents, four years to be exact, four long years of watching many of our friends become parents to beautiful children that we love. Both of our sisters become pregnant and have beautiful children. We love our niece and nephew. Four long years of negative pregnancy test after negative pregnancy test after negative pregnancy test, despite spending money on fertility treatments, watching everything I ate, trying to exercise just the right amount, and praying and calling out to God in utter desperation. Something about this psalm that I'm about to read, this poem in Scripture, it offers words to my prayer in that season, to my longings, and to our experience in this season. Because it doesn't just talk about crying out to God. It talks about the redemption that God offers to us. So if you'll um, follow along with me for Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Will you pray with me? 
God, there are some of us here this morning who are crying out from the depths to you. Hear their prayers this morning. There are some who are waiting on you, Lord, even if they don't know what all that means. We know you are with them, and we pray, God, that you will let them know you are present with them. And for those who are rejoicing because they know the goodness of the newness, the restoration, the redemption that you offer, we give you thanks. Help us all to hear from you this morning, regardless of where we are in our lives. And most of all, God, give us hope and power to share the goodness of your love and the power of your redemption as we leave here today. We love you. Speak this morning, Lord, and give us ears and hearts that are open to your word. Amen. So in March of 2015, almost two, two years ago, almost to the day, I remember sitting on the couch in our home in Nashville, Tennessee. It was 50 degrees and raining buckets. I'd never seen it rain like that till I moved to Florida in the summertime, but that's, <laughs> it was raining so hard. It was cold and it felt damp in our house. Night was about to fall and it was getting very, very dark. <clears throat> it was cold. It was damp. It was the opposite of everything that I love about Florida. You see, Chris had just received really bad news from his current job. Something that he had worked for for 10 years was not going to happen for at least another year, and we weren't even certain about that. He was hurt. He was angry. He was heartbroken. We were scared about our future. At this exact same time, I was leading a new church start through its last service and its conclusion of its ministry. That's right, I've been assigned to the work of church planting before and for lack of better words, failed. Something that I dreamed about, that I longed for, that I worked hard for, that I lost sleep over, that I prayed over, was no more. And this didn't just affect my life, but it affected the lives of dozens of people who walked that journey with me to start a new church. It was the hardest thing that I have ever done. Walk with a group of people through ending a ministry that we were excited about. On that night in March, I had no idea where I would be in a couple of weeks. I was scared. I was sad. I was broken. I was as empty as I have ever been. And on top of all of that, we had just had another negative pregnancy test, even though we were in fertility treatments. That was about the 450th negative pregnancy test that I had taken. We had reached the point where we were hopeless. And for the first time that night, we said out loud to each other, we may never be parents. We felt so very alone. Everything seemed dark and hopeless. Everything in our lives was crumbling. Our dreams of becoming parents, our dreams of a new church start in East Nashville that would reach people with the good news of the power of God's redemption through Jesus Christ. Our career paths were taking the wrong turn. Everything was literally crumbling under our feet. I remember finally praying to God because I had cried and cried and cried and cried. So finally... In a completely broken and sad state, I cried out to the Lord, just like the psalmist said, from the depths of my lowest point in life. The person who wrote the psalm we read earlier put words to what I was feeling. I cried out to God, please, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. 
There is only one way we are going to be able to move forward, and that is through your mercy. Y'all, I promise, I looked around, and I tried to figure out how in the world I could get out of that catastrophic mess, that utter brokenness that we were in. And there was only going to be one way, and that is for God to make a way through God's mercy and love. This morning, looking at Psalm 30, we see the ways that God offers redemption. This word redemption is a word we use a lot in church, so we don't always know what it means. In fact, earlier this week when I was writing the sermon, I was like, do I really know what the word redemption means? It means that something, redemption means that something or someone is, is saved from catastrophe. The word redemption is very closely linked to the word deliverance. We hear that a lot in the Old Testament. So something or someone is delivered from a catastrophe to a more life-giving situation. The person who wrote this psalm says that redemption, deliverance comes when you admit that you don't have it all together. And only God can redeem you from the brokenness, the emptiness, the catastrophe that you find yourself in. The psalmist gives us advice, cry out to the Lord. My friends who are in recovery know this all too well. You have to admit that you are not the highest power. That in fact there is something higher and more powerful than you. And the only way to find recovery, the only way to find redemption, the only way to find deliverance from a catastrophe you found yourself in is to admit that you are not that higher power, that you do not have it all together, and that you do not have any ability to save yourself from the catastrophic mess you find yourself in. This is exactly where we were on that cold, damp, dark night in Nashville. At a place where the only way we were going to find redemption is to cry out and say, we need you, God. We cannot do this alone. At one point that night, I remember praying, God, just let the sun come up in the morning. Please, God, don't let it be raining tomorrow. I remember praying that over and over, so I was really glad the psalmist put in there twice. I prayed like the watchman waiting for the morning because they prayed it over and over and over. I just needed a bright new morning. I prayed, please, God, let the darkness and the rain and the cold end. Please let morning come. And Chris and I sat on that couch all night long and waited for a new day. This moment of utter desperation and recognizing and accepting our failures, some of which we had no control over, is not something that only Chris and I have experienced. Over the past six months, we have listened to the people of South Tampa, the people in our community. We've heard the, their voice say that they are longing for a new morning after a season of darkness, of cold, of loneliness. This seems to be a fairly common experience. We know folks who, like us, are, were struggling mightily with infertility, a dark experience that feels lonely and hard. We know a man who invested his entire life into starting a new business that's not doing very hot right now. We know a couple who had a baby and spent 77 days in the NICU and continue to experience health issues because of that experience. We know a young woman whose entire life was ruined by addiction. They've told us that their prayers looked much like the prayer we just read. God, we can't wait for addiction, for medical staff, for the right job, or the perfect investor to save us from this catastrophic mess we find ourselves in. We have no choice, God, but to wait 
on you, Lord. Anybody here ever felt like that? Longing for the morning after a season of darkness and knowing that it is only God who can bring it. Your congregation, you all, are reading through the Gospel of Mark. A book in the Bible that tells many stories about people who are longing for a new day. In fact, this week some of you read about a rich young ruler who couldn't find the peace and joy that he wanted to have in his life through his wealth. And Jesus offered him a new day. Here's something else that will actually give you joy and peace. Follow me. There's also a section in there about what Jesus has to say about folks who are going through a divorce. And I'm not getting into that, but I'm going to tell you what I think this section is really about. And it's that you aren't going to find happiness in someone who is more perfect than who you have right now. This isn't the movies, and marriage isn't, it's, it's hard. It's, it isn't easy. The only way you will find help for your catastrophic marriage is to wait on the Lord. And of course, there's in this section of Scripture what Jesus has to say about our children. And this one spoke right to me, guys. Let your children come unto me, Jesus says. That's right. The most perfect school, the most perfect extracurricular activities, the most perfect sports team, the perfect milestone charts is not going to save your children from catastrophe. We've seen that in the news. None of that stuff is going to save them. Only Jesus will save you from catastrophe, deliver you from catastrophe, redeem you from it. And our God is never too busy with other things that the children aren't of utmost importance. So if you're at the lowest point ever in your life and you need redemption, you need deliverance, then the psalmist tells us, invites us, wait on the Lord. If you have a friend who's at the lowest point ever in his or her life and they need redemption and deliverance in church, we know what to do. We have a story to tell them, to offer them, to walk with them. Wait on the Lord. Do not wait for addiction, drugs, alcohol, porn to save you from catastrophe. It won't happen. Don't wait for wealth that you are accumulating to save you. Do not wait for the next best thing to save you. Wait on the Lord, for it is the Lord who brings true redemption. Nine months after sitting on that couch in Nashville, Tennessee, we got a phone call that a little boy was born in Panama City, Florida, and his birth parents would like to meet us because they wanted us to be his parents. At that point, we had not been in the adoption process for long, so this phone call was teetotally unexpected. We had nothing for a baby. We had a full-size bed, which babies don't sleep in full-size beds, in our, <laughs> in our guest room. We had nothing um, for a baby. Nothing for a baby. Our caseworker asked us on the phone, how long was it going to take us to drive to the hospital? We were in Nashville at the time. It was Panama City. So we said, it looks like it's going to take us eight hours to drive there. Can we have an hour to pack up some stuff? We'll be there in nine hours. Our neighbors, we called them. We said, we just got a phone call. Can we borrow your car seat? Because they told us not to show up at the hospital to take this baby home without an approved car seat. And so they came over and hooked it in the car for us because we had no idea how that worked. Um, and we took off driving to Panama City, Florida. It was a lot like it was today. You know, it gets dark early in December. It was foggy um, at 11 p.m. So, we, you know, drive through the dark and fogginess. And at 11 p.m. after driving for a long, long time, 
I told Chris that we needed to go to Target and get three things because our caseworker told us we needed four things at the hospital. A blanket, some diapers, the car seat, and a bottle. So we walked into Target deliriously tired from the emotional excitement and anxiety and all that was going on. Um, from driving through the night, we were tired. And we bought a football blanket that was on, on clearance. It was $5.99. I had never bought diapers before, so I stuck two boxes of diapers in our cart. And we stood in front of like 25 baby bottles, and I literally just prayed, God, please let us pick the one that, that our son is going to want to drink from. Um, we got to the hotel room that night, and we settled in, and we prepared to meet our son for the next morning. It was wonderful. Redemption for a whole group of people. David's birth parents made a hard decision, but one that was right for their family. Chris and I would finally become parents. And our son David would be loved by a whole host of people. David came home from the hospital to everything he could ever need. We seriously showed up at the hospital to bring him home with a borrowed car seat, a clearance blanket, two boxes of diapers. Did y'all know that diapers come in different sizes? Because I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> so we had two boxes of diapers that were not going to fit a newborn. <laughs> and I found out, um, I found out he's, he was newborn size. Um, and we had one bottle that he actually um, liked. So um, over the next few months, we were showered with so much from three churches. We served at different churches at the time. Um, these churches just loved us. They brought us meals, clothes, diapers, more bottles, because one bottle isn't enough, really. Um, drying racks, diaper pails, a crib, a swing, things I didn't even know we needed. We didn't buy David a piece of clothes until like the last month. Redemption came in community, in a group of people. It was completely different than sitting on that couch in Nashville all by ourselves. A group of people surrounded us. And walked with us through the greatest redemption, that one of the greatest redeeming stories we had experienced in our lives. And now, God is inviting us, Chris and I, to be a part of starting that kind of community for others. For people who have nothing. For people who are broken, who are empty, who are sad and hurt and angry. Whatever. We get to be a part of helping start something new. So that when people experience the redemption that only God can bring, there will be a host of people to walk with them through it. Folks, my people, my community of South Tampa needs a new church that is committed to shining light in the darkest and most desolate of places. A church that is committed to igniting change because our people, our community, the world needs to be redeemed, delivered from catastrophe. If I believed that our people could experience that by crying out to the Lord all by themselves, I wouldn't be standing here right now. There isn't one ounce of me that believes that. Redemption only comes from the Lord, and it comes in and through a community, a group of people. It is churches like this, actually, that keep my fire burning to do the work that we have been called to do, that we have been asked to do. Churches who, like us, Believe that God, it, God's redemption is coming to this community right here, to your neighbors, through the work of a group of people who are committed to wait, to cry out to the Lord, to wait for the Lord, and to walk with folks as they experience the redeeming work that only God offers. You all said, you believed this so much that you set up chairs for years in middle school, at, 
not in middle school, in elementary school and high school gyms. You all believe that this good news of redemption through Jesus Christ changes the, changes the world. And it is your work that keeps us fired up for starting a new community in South Tampa. I guarantee you everyone in this room knows someone who is longing for that redemption. Maybe it's you. In two weeks, you all will gather in this place, in this very room, and the greatest redemption story ever will be told. That through the mighty acts of Jesus Christ raising from the dead, no sins, no death, not even, no darkness, nothing will have the final word. That is right. Christ will and is redeeming us from catastrophe. So you have three homework assignments. I was a middle school teacher before I was a pastor. So you all have three homework assignments from our scripture reading today. If you find yourself in the middle of a catastrophic mess, cry out to the Lord. Admit you don't have it all together and you need God's mercy and love. Wait for the Lord and nothing else. Remember, and the third thing is remember that redemption comes in and through community. And if there are people missing here today, the fullness of that redemption is not known yet. So who can you keep inviting and telling this good news of the powerful redemption that God offers through Jesus Christ? Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the power of your redemption that is offered to us through Jesus Christ. I pray especially, God, for those in this place who are in the middle of catastrophe. I pray for their deliverance. I pray for those in this very room who you will use this week to tell the good news of your redeeming work through Jesus Christ by the things they do, the things they say, and the way they love people in this community. I pray you'll empower them to do that work in this very moment. And I pray, God, for this church as they prepare to celebrate Easter. May the greatest surprising redemption story ever surprise them again, light them on fire anew. And may this community know the fullness of your redemption. Through Jesus Christ, amen.